The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. This morning's scripture reading is from Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. So it, it seems like uh, we've fallen into a little two-part series on the church unintentionally. Uh, last Sunday, I preached from 1 Timothy, and, and really my goal in, in the sermon, it, it was a simple one, and it was that we would have the scriptures renew our mind and give us a vision for who we are, who you are, who we are corporately as the church of Jesus Christ and we saw as we opened up the text that we are the family of God. We are the temple of God where he dwells on earth in and among us. And we are a people who have been entrusted with the greatest story that the world has ever heard. That's, that's who we are. And so today in this little two-part series on the church, I want to do that again from a different text, uh, Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, with the goal being, being very simple. That being, having us reflect on the reality of who we are, who the scriptures say we are, because I, I really believe something. I, I really believe that how we see ourselves here and how we see Shades Valley and how we envision this community will shape how we treat one another. Will shape how we live with one another. Will shape the witness that we have to the world. Okay, so if you have your Bibles... Uh, you can open to Romans 12, verse 3, and that's where we're going to start, in verse 3. Verse 3, look with me. Paul writes, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to, to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let me read that one more time. 
For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, so when you look at Romans 12 as a whole, first of all, it's one of my favorite chapters in, in all of Scripture. So if you haven't had some one-on-one time with Romans 12, you need to. You need to sit down and have some QT with Romans 12. Um, it, it's wonderful. And as you look at Romans 12, you'll, you'll see that as Paul talks about the church, uh, he reveals that the church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And that may be language that is familiar to you. All right? But I, I want to encourage you not to check out this morning. Uh, rather, I want us to press in to this reality. To press in to what it means that we're the body of Christ. And so, first, I think if we do that, if we press in, we'll see that the church is the body of Christ shapes how we view ourselves. The reality that the church is the body of Christ shapes how we view ourselves, how you view yourself. So Paul Paul starts out in verse 3, and he says that as members of the church of Jesus Christ, we're not to think too highly of ourselves. We're we're not to have a, a, a lofted vision about ourselves. Rather, we're supposed to have what? We're supposed to have this real, this uh, sensible, this reasonable view of ourselves instead of the lofty view, which we know is what? Pride. Pride. Okay, so I want to talk about self-esteem versus self-acceptance for a moment, okay? Uh, Gordon Bowles is a counselor in Birmingham. He used to be a pastor here at Shades Valley. He now has his own practice, Daymark. And he has a blog post that has, has really shaped me. And in the blog post, he's talking about self-esteem versus self-acceptance. And, and Gordon says that with his years of pastoral ministry and his years of counseling, he's come to find the distinction between these two things is really important. So, listen to what he says. First, self-esteem. He says that self-esteem is defined as confidence in your worth or ability. Okay? Self-esteem. Confidence in your worth or ability. So, what is it? It's, It's this measure of how valuable or how worthwhile you see yourself. So, in a sense, self-esteem begins with you, and it ends with you. That's what Gordon points out. And so he goes on to argue that if your sense of self, right, if this sense of who you are is dependent upon your performance— And, I think this is really important, not only your performance, but how you interpret your performance. Then your weaknesses, the weaknesses that we all have, your weaknesses are going to be a problem. Your weaknesses 
are going to be a threat. Right? And so you have some options. You can ignore these weaknesses, you can deny these weaknesses, or maybe you just become overwhelmed and completely crushed by these weaknesses. So if there's a a problem with self-esteem, Gordon says that the problem is that it's rooted in ourselves and our own confidence. Okay, you with me? Okay. What about self-acceptance? Well, Gordon says that self-acceptance is, it's a little different. It's about being at peace with yourself. Uh, With self-acceptance, we learn to welcome both our strengths and our weaknesses. Uh, With self-acceptance, your weaknesses are not a threat to your sense of self. Um, It's not that you don't have any confidence in your abilities, or it's not that you don't have an honest assessment of your abilities. It's not that you're prideful, um, but rather... It's that your abilities don't define who you are. And your weaknesses don't define who you are. So while self-esteem, we could say, starts and ends with the self, uh, self-acceptance kind of naturally moves you outside of yourself. Your sense of who you are doesn't begin and end with you. And I think that's so important. So what's the key to self-acceptance? This ability to acknowledge your strengths, not in a prideful way, right? But also accept your weaknesses. Well, Gordon says it's community. We come to know our strengths and weaknesses in community. The key to self-acceptance is developing the humility to vulnerably welcome other people into your life to affirm your strengths and then also to expose your weaknesses. See that? Yeah. So for me, I only have to spend a few minutes around somebody that is financially minded to see that I know nothing about money. I don't really understand how money works. Right? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't take long. Or all I have to do is talk about uh, a home project with one of you in the congregation to see that like picking up a hammer just stresses me out. It does. I don't have that home ability. We've had a few projects at home that have failed, and then we hired someone, you know? Yeah. So we come to see our, our weaknesses in community, but we also come to see our strengths in community right? So if I'm honest with you, most times after I get done preaching, there's this voice that comes up and it says, that was a train wreck. And that voice normally comes in the form of an email. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> there's this voice that comes up that goes, that was a train wreck. What are you doing? You, are, you, are, you should not be a pastor. You need to quit. You need to find a different vocation, right? doesn't happen always, but it happens from time to time. I think we can all relate with our various vocations, right? Um, So the reality is, I don't always have a great self-assessment. And that if I'm going to properly determine my strengths, then I must do so in what? In the context of community. Okay, 
why am I going on and on about this? Well, I think this is interesting in light of what Paul says here in these verses. Um, Because Paul says in verse 3 that our view of ourselves, right, our our self-estimation should be in accordance with what he says the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, what, what is he talking about? Our view of ourselves should be in accordance with the measure of faith that God has assigned. What's he talking about? Well, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, there's, there's some debate around this verse and, and what it means. Uh, but I see that Paul is calling each member of the church, I think this is so important, he's calling each member of the church to see that each member of the body has been placed in the community by God and that each member has been gifted in a different way and then each gifting is essential to the life of the body. Um, So therefore, each of us should assess ourselves in light of the entire body. Do you see how it moves you outside yourself into the community? And you see that you are not the entire body. But you also see that you don't need to be. That you are just one member. So you know what the beauty, the beauty, yes, or the beauty, as some would pronounce it, the, the beauty of this is that this vision that Paul talks about, this vision of seeing ourselves as members of the body of Christ keeps us from having too high a view of ourselves. Ah, because we're not the whole body. We're just one member. We need others. Yes, but it also prevents us from having too low a view of ourselves. Ah, and we see that, don't we? Feeling worthless. Feeling that we have nothing to offer. Feeling no value. You're a member in the body of Christ. You play a vital role and function shades. This is such good news. Such good news. So this means that you and I, together, as the body of Christ, we're not competitors. So you can take a deep breath. Isn't that good? That as you walk in today, or you walk into your community group, or you walk into whatever social setting, you are not competing for an identity. You have been given an identity in Christ. And the people that you are surrounded by are not competitors They're co-laborers. They have weaknesses and strengths, and so do you. And we each have a part to play. Okay, so first seeing the church as the body of Christ shapes how we view ourselves. You see that? Yeah, that's good. And then second, the reality that the church is the body of Christ shapes how we view one another. Shapes how we view one another. So look at verse 4 with me. I'll grab a sip of water. All right, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. 
So we, though, many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I, I don't think about my big toe very much. Um, if you do, that, that's fine. Just for me personally, I, I, t- I tend not to. And there was one, e- uh, one morning that I woke up and my toe was killing me. And I could not walk. I could not put any pressure on it. I could not get comfortable. And so I, I'm talking to my wife, and I, I say, Jordan, I think in the middle of the night, I must have been sleepwalking, broke my toe, and then got back into bed, and I need to go see a doctor. And she said, yeah, I don't think that happened. And I was like, well, what, what is happening? Because my toe is swollen and I can't walk. She goes, well, let's call my sister. She's in school to be a PA. So she gets, Jordan gets on the phone with her sister because I couldn't call. I was too weak. I don't do well with pain. And so she's talking to her and her sister goes, oh, easy, it's gout. And I said, it's what? (laughs) And she said, it's gout. I said, gout? Am I a pirate? What is gout? Um, But it was. And for the next few days... It was completely debilitating. Completely debilitating. Isn't it amazing how much one member, one small member that you don't think about going offline affects your ability to function? Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting how one member going offline, one member not working as it's meant to, affects each and every member of the body. This is an inescapable reality about our physical bodies, isn't it? When one member suffers, all members suffer. When one member doesn't function, then every member is affected. As as you look at verse 4, Notice how Paul talks about the unity of the church. Uh, He says that uh, we're one body. He says we're one body in Christ. He says it multiple times. Um, I talked a little bit about unity last week. I, I don't think it can be emphasized too much right now. I don't. The, the 20th century theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, says it well when he says that Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. Rather, it's a reality created by God. Okay, that's, that's dense. Welcome to Bonhoeffer. It takes me an hour to read a sentence. Um, Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. Rather, it's a reality created by God. Right? So our unity is grounded in the reality of what Jesus Christ has done. Oh, that's good news in this season. In Ephesians 2, God says that um, we are being drawn together by him. Who's drawing us together? God, who has already brought us together by faith in Jesus Christ. God, 
right? So God has not left us on our own to our own devices, and that's good news, right? Our unity is in Jesus Christ. So often what's being put before us, differences, 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 differences. Brothers and sisters, we are unified in Jesus Christ, amen? We are one in him. That is the ground of our unity when every other ground seems to cave. So first, Paul points to this unity, right? But then there's what? Ah, here comes the diversity, right? Many members. Uh, Members do not have the same function. Individually, members of one another. I I believe I've, I've, I've shared this before, but I did an internship after college in a community in North Carolina. It's a small community church. And the community there had this phrase they would always say to one another. And I'm trying to make it happen at Shades, okay? So I was doing it implicitly, but here you go, right? Um, they would say less without you to one another. It feels kind of weird to just say randomly, but, you know, if it becomes a part of the community. Yeah. Oh, I hate you can't be there less without you. Oh, I know you're going through a lot. You need to be at home totally. Hey, less without you. That's a reality that's shaped by what? The fact that we are the body of Christ. The fact that each member has a function and a purpose to play. That's that's not a human vision, right? How do we normally feel? More without you. (laughs) Was that too honest? We can feel that way sometimes, right? Look at the reality of the body of Christ. Thank God for our differences. Thank God for our personality differences. <laughs> Thank God for, for all of our quirks. Thank God for the diversity in this body. Because do you know how weird just a huge ear is, right? You know how weird just a huge hand is, right? Um, it, would, it would be horrible if everyone was like me in this body. It would be a disaster. You can ask my wife right? It would be disastrous. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 12? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Paul says this, God arranged them. Hmm. God has arranged each member in the body. So, to fail to see the reality of less without you is to say that God has arranged poorly. It's to say that God has not been wise in his arrangement, and it's to say that we think we would do a better job. Right? Less without you as the body of Christ. Yeah, each member, even the toe, has a vital, vital function. How does that reality shape how we view one another? Yeah, in, in this season. Okay, so the reality that the church is the body of Christ, it does what? It shapes how we view ourselves, yeah? We come to know ourselves in the community, have an honest assessment of ourselves. It also shapes how we view one another, right? Each person 
in this community has value and worth and has been placed here by God, that shapes how I view other people. No doubt. Finally, the reality of the church is the body of Christ shapes how we view serving. It shapes how we view our service. All right, this is my last point. Look at verses 6 through 8 with me. If you have your Bibles in front of you, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, here's the line, let us use them. Let us use them. Okay, let me say a few words about these, about these verses. Uh, first off, I don't believe that the spiritual gifts list that we see here and in other places in Scripture is meant to be exhaustive, okay? And I don't think this is an exhaustive list here that we all need to fit within, try to find, right? Uh, rather, I think they're what? I think they're examples, right? Even in Jonathan's absence, he's with us because I'm alliterating. Right? They're not exhaustive, they're, they're examples. Right? Um. And I don't think, as Paul's writing, I, I don't even think these specific gifts are the focus in and of themselves. I, I don't think it's what he wants us to, to narrow in on and, and get bogged down in, right? Uh, what do I think he's saying? I think he's saying this. I think he's having each one of us look at ourselves and say, how has the Spirit gifted me? Uh, how am I wired? What are my abilities? What are my strengths? How has the Spirit empowered me? He's getting us to ask that question so then we can turn outward. And we can do what? We can use them. We can use them to serve and build up the body, right? This is not about earning, right? This is not about proving that we belong here. This is not about earning our salvation. No. This is simply an acknowledgement that because we are in Jesus Christ, we have been gifted by the Spirit. Because we are in Jesus Christ, we are a member. Right? You didn't have to sign up for that. Right? We are a member. We have been gifted. And so therefore, this divine reality tells me that each person in this body has been gifted by the Spirit and has a divinely ordained role to play. Talk about not having too low a view of yourself, right? I, I really, I really believe that. <laughs> I really believe that. Okay, 
So let me close by just saying two things, okay? Uh, First, I, I do believe that if you're a member of this body, whether you think so or not, you have a function. You have been gifted. And if you don't know that, that's okay. This is something that we come to see over time in the context of the community. I think this is something that that changes over time. This is something that even in myself, I'm still discovering, right? But I do believe that. And I find that often what keeps people from serving, it's not their schedule. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes your life is crazy, right? There's too many things on your plate. Uh, Life is just chaotic, right? No time, okay? Yeah, that can be a reason. But you know what I think it is more times? I think that we hear a lie from the enemy. And I think that lie is that you have no abilities and that you're not needed. I think that's the lie. That you have nothing to offer and that we don't need you. And I think that's just a lie from the enemy. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm not trying to um, guilt anyone here. <laughs> uh, good Lord, the church that I grew up at, they were pros. Guilting you into serve, it's an art form, and they could do it, <laughs> right? And God help me, I've probably done it at times myself in my own ministry. I'm not above confessing that, right? I'm not trying to do that. I just don't know if you're someone that's hearing that lie, <laughs> that you have no abilities and that you're not needed because it's not true. Let the reality of the body of Christ shape that and bring in a different voice. Okay, and then let me say one more thing. I am continually, continually amazed at how you serve one another, Shades. I am continually amazed at how you serve the body. I, as a pastor, I get the opportunity to see it more than others do. But I see it. I see how so many of you serve sacrificially. I see how so many of you give of your time and your resources. I see how so many of you, year in, and year out, show up and give of yourselves through, through good times, through, through hard times. I, I see year in and year out how in the ordinary you serve. And I want to speak to you because I believe that the enemy is telling you a lie as well. What's that lie? I think that the enemy is saying, one, you're doing a horrible job. (laughs) You're not fit to serve, right? I think he's saying that. I do. Um, And two, I think he's saying something else. I think he's saying to you that your service is meaningless. Your service doesn't matter. It's it's not doing anything. That Bible study you're leading, you've been leading that for two years. What's happened there? Nothing. Showing up, serving in the capacity, does that really matter? Has that really changed anything? It kind of feels like a waste of time. 
to me. You know what? I think everybody actually would prefer you just not do it. I think they would be relieved if you would just step down from whatever, right? That is not from the Holy Spirit. That is from the enemy. And I want to say that each and every one of you who I have seen give sacrificially, the Lord has used you to make much of himself. The Lord has used you to bring healing and wholeness and transformation in the life of this body. The Lord has used you to minister to my weary soul. He has. My preaching professor at Beeson Divinity School, anytime a student would get done preaching in class and is just totally filled with insecurity and <laughs> shame and, you know, hating themselves because of what they just had to do in front of their professors and peers, he would, he would look at them in the eye and he would say, the Lord used you. He'd say, the Lord used you. And so that's what I want to tell each and every one of you is that the Lord is using you to accomplish his purposes So as 1 Corinthians 15 would say, be steadfast, shades, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing what? What do we know? That in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. In the Lord, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Amen.